If you would please turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Uh, we should still have some Bibles in the chairs. I don't think they've been raptured yet to the new place. Um, we're on page 947, I believe, there to get to Romans 11. We're finishing this morning our short sermon series through the five solas of the Reformation. Next Sunday, as we again transition to our new home, uh, we will begin a new sermon series on the book of 2 Peter, entitled the sermon series, Growing in Grace, and I think very appropriate as that is what we are striving to do, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in, uh, as we begin the next chapter uh, in the life of our church. Uh, so today we are in that fifth and final sola. Solio Deo Gloria, to God alone be glory. And this passage here from Romans 11 that we're going to look at is a fitting conclusion to this first portion of Romans. Uh, in Romans chapters 1 through 11, if you've, if you've studied Romans before, you notice that that's kind of a breaking point between Romans 11 and 12. Romans 1 through 11 is what theologians have called the, the theology of the gospel, and then when you transition into Romans 12, we have the application of the gospel to our daily lives. Before Paul gets to the application of the gospel in Romans 12, he concludes this part of his glorious gospel presentation in wonder, love, and praise of God, who God is and what he has done. And so let's now read uh, Paul's doxology here uh, in Romans 11, verses 33 through 36. This is God's holy word to us. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are His judgments! How inscrutable His ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. For all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honors come from you, and you rule over all. And in your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Fill us now with your glory as we study your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the meaning of life? Have you thought about that question before? What is the meaning of life? Why on earth are we here? Why are we on this earth? What is our purpose? Another way of asking these type of questions is, does God have a purpose for us in life? Is there a great universal and cosmic reason to all of life? These are big questions, questions that mankind has been asking since the creation of the world. 
They're questions that we must all wrestle with. And your answer this morning to these questions will reveal who and what you worship. The Reformers answered these questions with the fifth and final sola of the Reformation, solio deo gloria, to God alone be glory. All of life, the purpose of life, is to be lived for the praise and glory of God alone. And a key text to understanding this this great cry of the Reformation is from the Apostle Paul's magnificent treatment of the gospel in his letter to the Romans. And in this passage that we read just a moment ago, we have what is rightly called the key to what it, what it means to have a Christian world and life view. This passage is the key to understanding how we view the world, how we know what the meaning of life is, how we interpret what God's purpose is for us. Paul says very poetically, verse 36, for from him, that is from God and through God and to God are all things to God be the glory forever. Amen. So thus far in our short series on the five souls of the Reformation, we have seen that the scriptures alone are to be our rule of faith and life. And in the Holy Scriptures that are inspired by God, they teach us that justification is by grace through faith in Christ alone. And the book of Romans has been our primary text where we've learned and studied these things. 1,500 years after Paul penned these words to the Roman church, the famous reformer Martin Luther came along. And God used him to spark a reformation in the church. A reformation to bring people back to the heart of biblical teaching. Back to the heart of what life is all about. Back to this truth that we were created to worship and glorify God forever. And that God's great work in salvation in His church and in His people, it's all for His glory. The church of the Middle Ages had lost its way and needed to be reformed. In some ways, God was being robbed of His glory by the false teachings of the church. Not that anyone could could take it away from Him, but glory was given to a number of things. The church needed reform, and so the reformers came along and gave the motto of all mottos, solio deo gloria, is to God alone be the glory. And we can thank God for the Protestant Reformation. We can thank Him for the reforms that were brought to the church. We can thank Him and praise Him for this, this, this teaching, this redirection that everything is for the supreme glory of God Almighty in all things. The Westminster Divines understood this when they created their catechism. The first question of the Westminster Shorter Catechism asked this, What is the chief end of man? Or, what is mankind's primary purpose? The answer is, it is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The children's catechism also is helpful. It asks the children, Children, can you help me? I forgot to write the answer down. Why did God make you in all things? 
for His own glory. That's right. This, these questions and answers, they are huge. They're important for us to get right, for us to understand ourselves and understand who God is. And I think what is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's one of the most important things ever penned by mankind outside, of course, God's inspired word. And so solio deo gloria became a motto for all of life. Everything is to be lived for the glory of God. Perhaps you have looked at before some of the famous compositions of that great composer and hymn writers, Johann Sebastian Bach. At the end of all of his compositions, he signed SDG, solio deo gloria. The Apostle Paul also taught this important truth to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31, he kind of sums it all up. He says, so whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Solio Deo Gloria. At the time of the Reformation, the Roman Catholic Church adhered to what Martin Luther called a theology of glory, and this was in a opposition to the theology of the cross that he taught in the theology of glory uh, salvation could be attributed partly to christ some to mary some to the saints and to the sinner himself but the reformers responded no 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 the only true gospel is that which gives glory to god alone as taught in the scriptures to god alone be the glory it is important to remember that the Reformation was not all rosy. It was not as, as maybe adventurous to some of the movies and stories like to tell. There was a lot of persecution and violence. And that violence and persecution came against those who sought to reform the church. And so what was it that possessed these reformers to be willing to give their lives? What what captivated them so much that they were willing to literally be burned at the stake for what they taught and they believed? It was solio deo gloria. For the glory of God alone, not for themselves. And so this great truth, this great teaching, this great motto, to God alone be glory, brought about a lot of reforms in the church and a lot of reforms in life. And it, it mattered for the time of the Reformation. And brothers and sisters, it matters for us today. For instance, there was great reform in worship. You and I are in this building worshiping right now the way we are because of the reforms that were brought about in the church in the Reformation. Because worship would now be conducted in the modern vernacular as opposed to you having to know Latin or Greek or some other language. Expositional preaching and, and reading the Bible were, were central to the life of the church. There was now more congregational involvement in, in the worship and praise of, of the Lord. The sacraments were restored to their biblical simplicity as taught by Christ. And the focus of worship was on God and God alone. It sought not to be man-centered, to be God-centered. Not to just study morality and human achievement, but to focus on the Lord and Him alone. There was great reform brought about in church government. 
The way the church was governed needed to be changed. And so John Calvin and others helped bring the church back to its biblical foundation through government, through rule of a plurality of elders. It was the elders who were ordained by God who were to care for the ministry of the church. And so pastors and elders were now to be about the ongoing work of pastoral care and discipline and teaching and worship. But ministry was not just for the professionals. It wasn't just for the clergy. All of God's people would be involved in the ministry of the gospel. We can thank the Reformation for that change. There was reform in in family life. Uh, The family became more highly valued. Uh, Marriage highly esteemed. Marriage promoted among believers. And sex within marriage was biblically celebrated as it was meant to be. There was reformation in the culture and in all of life. Everything from education to economics to a good, old, hard work ethic. Reform, the Reformation brought about reform even in these things. All of the, everything was brought into this view of solio deo gloria. Everything, everything is to be done for the glory of God. And this is taught very well for us here in this passage today. Romans 11 33 through 36, it's a beautiful theology of the glory of God in all things. So I want us to briefly look at three things about the glory of God in this passage. The first, to God alone be glory because of his incomprehensibility. Look at that in verse 33, the incomprehensibility of God. Paul says, oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Not that God can't be known. He can be known as he's revealed himself in his word. But he cannot be fully known by us. God's glory is a depth for which there is no bottom. Just as his love is as high as the heavens are above the earth. I love the way the early church father, St. Augustine, put it as he reflected on the glory of God. He said, I can see the depths, but I cannot see the bottom. I can see the depths, but I cannot see the bottom. We have knowledge of God through Christ and how he has revealed himself in his word. But there are more riches, more wisdom, more knowledge of God than we could ever comprehend because He is a holy and infinite God. Think about all the theology that has ever been written. All that has been written about God, there is no end to it. We cannot fathom the depth and the riches of God. He is to be... Glorified because he is incomprehensible. Secondly, in verses 34 through 35, to God alone be glory because of his sovereignty. Notice how Paul uses rhetorical questions here to make his point of God's sovereignty. He says, For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor? Who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? Who can know? What is in God's mind? No one. 
Who could possibly give counsel to God who knows all things and sees all things? No one. Who could give something to God that he doesn't already have? Listen to how God answers Job in Job 41.11. He says, who has given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. God is sovereign over all, and to him alone be the glory. The third thing in verse 36, to God alone be glory because of his deity. He is God. He is God. I love the way that the Westminster Shorter Catechism again defines what is God. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. He is the Lord God Almighty. In, in the weeks past, I've talked about the uh, glorious conjunctions of the Bible. When we see biblical truths being taught, and the Apostle Paul would say, but God, but God has done this. And so now I want to, trust me, I'm not a, I'm not a grammar geek. Um, my grammar is awful, awful. But <laughs> this grammar is so important. Because now we see these glorious prepositions of the Bible. Look there in verse 36. Glorious prepositions. From God, through God, to God are all things. And so Paul very simply tries to encapsulate the glory of God in all things. He says, from God. God is the creator of all things. He's the creator God. Listen to the way Paul says it in Colossians 1 verse 16. Speaking of the deity of Christ. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. From God are all things. Secondly, he says through God. Everything is through God. Listen to the way Job describes this again. Job 12. In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. The Apostle Paul picks up on this in Acts 17, 28, speaking on Mars Hill. He says, in him we live and move and have our being. It is all through God. We are taking his very breaths that he has given to us right now. And finally, it is to God. All glory to God. All worship, all creation, everything that has breath is to bring glory to God alone. For this is the end goal of all the creation and all of humanity. This is where Re the book of Revelation ends up. In Revelation 5, it says, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Glory to God forever and ever. For from him and through him and to him be the glory forever and ever. And so this truth, solio deo gloria, begs the question for all of, all of us. It's a good question for you and for me to ask this morning. 
What are you living for? Who are you living for? Why do you get out of bed in the morning? What is the most important thing in all the world to you? Well, I hope your answer lies in the Latin phrase, solio deo gloria. Let me ask it to you another way. If, an, if a journalist were to follow you around for an entire week, and that journalist's job was to write an article about your life and, and what you worship, what would be recorded? What would be written? What would they observe as most important to you? It's a scary question, isn't it? But it's important. Because if you're living for yourself, if, if your life is all about your own personal happiness, if you are living for your own glory, then I absolutely hate to burst your, burst your bubble this morning, but I'm going to. It's not about you. Life is not about you. You are not the center of the universe. It is the Lord God Almighty. And I, I can't help but think that many of us fall into depression and misery because we're only living for ourselves. And so we must pray and ask God every day to redirect us, to recenter our lives on, on Christ and His glory. You were created for God's glory. And so I pray that He would reform your heart and your mind every day if you are not living for His glory. But this not only matters to us as individuals, it, it matters to us as a church. Do we want Cornerstone to simply be a, a civic group or a country club? You know, we pay our dues, the staff is nice, and then we go on our way. Or do we desire to be a gathering place, a community of believers to worship the triune God? My prayer for you and for me, my prayer for everyone, is when they leave our worship services on the Lord's Day, they don't simply say, the people there were nice and the music was cool. I hope and pray that they would say, that we would all say, wow, to God alone be glory. I hope all these hymns are stuck in your head today. <laughs> Behold our God, how great thou art. It's all about God, isn't it? It's all about His glory. We desire the cornerstone would be about Christ and the glory of God and His gospel above all things. And I invite you to come along on this journey. We got a new chapter we're starting next week on this journey. Come with us. Let's glorify God together, but let me warn you, it's going to cost you something. You're going to have to rearrange your priorities. We all are. Because life is about the glory of God, not us. Because if we believe this, if we're willing to sign SDG at the end of our days, at the end of our careers, at the end of our learnings, at the end of everything we do, then we will have radically changed lives and churches. And I hope we do, brothers and sisters. To God alone be the glory.
Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word that redirects us, that recenters us, that reminds us that life is not about us, that it is about you. We thank you for the riches and wisdom and, and depth of your knowledge, O oh Lord, that is unsearchable. Lord, help us every day to live uh, for your glory, to be captured by the, the glory of Christ in all things. And Lord, help us to live. Help us to live for your glory. To you alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.